0: Sticking needles in players' arms used to be reserved for steroids or something else, but now teams are doing it, not during the game when players cramp up, but before game as part of their hydration routine. UCLA has a ticket problem. Michigan had the same problem a couple years ago. There's a 9 a.m. kickoff happening in the Pac-12 and we're going to go over all the games. I'm George Reister, that's Ralph Amson, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Ralph, all 12 Pac-12 teams are in action. No conference games this week. How do you feel about this, later Games?
1: I feel good. I feel like the Pac-12 is set up for success this week. There's two games that concern me a little bit one feels like a little bit of a, a trap game and it's early in the morning and it's an in-state game uh and another one of them is uh is just a team that's always walking around talking about being national champions so you know there, there's a couple of games that concern me uh, otherwise i think that i think that uh, pac-12 can be competitive in most of these outside of maybe oklahoma visiting the
0: rose bowl yeah this issue of hydration heat kickoff times has been a hot topic this week because Nick Saban brought it up and there's a story that you brought up to me about players being given IVs prior to the game because Ed Ogeron he talked about how there wasn't enough AC in the Texas visiting locker room and that he was thinking about giving players IVs before the game or at halftime rather than wait for them to cramp up and you i think you thought this was shocking right
1: uh yeah i mean i'm i'm used to like i know that the IV thing exists and i always assumed that it was sort of in case of an emergency you know benjamin had an IV at halftime of the kent state game but i mean we have your old boy out at florida state talking about uh, you know the team not having proper hydration um, we got the lSU thing now and 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 the idea that like that teams would just preemptively give players ivs going into the game seems like a, a, something that would cause people to freak out a little bit i mean it, it just it strikes me as as sort of maybe extraneous or odd or like Hey, maybe if we have to inject fluids into somebody just to get them to go out and play the game, maybe we shouldn't be playing that game. Like that, I, I have that sort of initial reaction. You just I think about my kids, of like, man, would I want them to have to have an IV just in order to go out and have fun?
0: Um, and I, I just don't. Ralph, Ralph, you are overthinking this, brother. Yes, I am. You are <laughs> way overthinking this. This is an IV. They're not pumping them with with steroids or mysterious fluids and chemical. No, it is just, it is just saline and, and just some, some vitamins. Maybe I, when I played in Jacksonville, I would, I cramped up one time during the game and I had to go to the locker room to get an IV played in Jacksonville, superhuman, all of that. And this was maybe my second or third year. I go into the locker room. And first of all, when you're getting an IV, who do you want to give you an I- IV? Do you want the doctor to stick you or do you want the nurse to stick you? nurse. The nurse. There are no nurses there. It was only a doctor and an old doctor at that. He had to stick my, my dehydrated veins, which are apparently, as my mom, who's a nurse, says, are very difficult to get already. But then a doctor doing it makes it like 10 times worse. Hit the to stick me four times, first of all, to get it in the right spot. And then they dumped in a matter of 10 minutes. Because normally when you go to the hospital, they put the IV drip up and it just drip, drip, drip. And it takes it two hours to dump one bag of IV in. They dumped two bags of IV in me. I don't know how big they were, but they were big. Two bags of IV in me in ten minutes. Two, which which if you've never had this happen is one of the most uncomfortable things that you will ever feel because you will be peeing all night the next day. I mean that is it. You are going to be pissing till like you're not even going to be able to sleep. So that's the first thing. But the so then after that there was a player on my team named Jimmy Smith. Jimmy was like, George, look, here, here, here is what the big boys do. Here's what the smart guys do. Come over. I, um, I'm i going to hook you up with, with my doctor. I thought I was going to go see the, the, the Balco doctor getting the clear <laughs> and the cl- and the cream like Barry bonds. But what happened is they take your blood, see uh, all the aminos vitamins that your body needs that you're lacking and they give you your own special IV kit and you have a nurse come over, we would do it on after the game on Monday and then maybe again on Friday prior to the game. And just make sure that you were hydrated, that your body was optimal and functioning at a high level. So for players in college, just giving them an IV, especially when they're having these hot kickoffs, it's in the beginning of the year. Nobody's playing in a dome besides Syracuse. Basically, Syracuse and and uh, and Idaho. I don't. Th- I don't see a problem, especially if you have these big old athletes. They are in college. They don't necessarily eat the best. They're eating a lot of junk food, you know, just to make sure that they don't die, that they don't have a medical issue. I don't see it as a problem, Ralph. You're way overthinking
1: this. It's. I don't think it's that I see it as a problem. I just see it like if if it's normalized, it feels a little bit weird. It feels a little bit with like I've I've always known that people take IV fluids when they're dealing with issues of hydration in game. I've always known that it was an option and that's always been something that I've kind of accepted. But for like for college athletes to have it sort of as the available go to, I think it looks bad it looks bad for the sport. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But it looks like, hey, if this is what we have to do to even get people out there to be able to play, I think it just is another check mark in the football is dangerous crowd box, you know. But like, at, you know, at the, at the same time, uh, players do need to be able to figure out how to properly hydrate, and it might become the norm. I saw this thing from uh, Climate Central, uh, which researches and reports the science and impacts of climate change. And it says that Phoenix, uh, where I live outside of Phoenix, by 2060, the city will have 132 days above 100 degrees. So, I mean, if, that, if that's where we're headed, I mean, the fact that they even play sports out, outdoors here in the summer is pretty wild. Um, but, I mean, if, if that's where we're headed, then I could see it move down to the, you know, to the high school level if it, where, where it's just sort of a, a necessary thing that if you're going to play football, you got to do everything you can to, to keep people safe and hydrated um, just because the weather is unsafe to play in down here. I just, I cover high school football down here. Um, modern day, the number one team in the country came to visit uh, and <laughs> at kickoff. It was 105 degrees. Whereas usually in Santa Ana, it's like 86. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those kids needed something like that. And so it's, it's not so much that I think it's a bad thing. It's just that it's, you gotta understand it doesn't sit right like oh we're we're doing this new thing just to keep guys safe enough to play. Does that mean that we're in the right by being more cautious, or does that mean that this game is even more dangerous than we thought like that's where it lines up for me well
0: well, this is really only a one month problem I'm, well, a two month problem you got August and September that's the only time that this is a problem. The weather changes in October pretty much everywhere. Even in Arizona, the weather is changing in in October. So this is only a beginning of the season problem. Then after that, it's just, you know, kind of on an individual as needed basis. But I'll tell you this, my son's 13 years old. He's playing his first tackle football season when he gets to high school uh, and he's playing sports because I was a kid who played a ton of sports, played multiple sports in high school. And my body was going through so much. And my son at 13, he gets m- massages already. Make sure he's extra hydrated. I have a game ready at home to ice, his, to ice him up after practice. A Noratec, All these things that I use for me that then he turns around and is able to use for him too. So I have no problem with it. And guess what? Little D Reister will be getting some IVs in high school, Ralph. You will be.
1: And yeah i mean if if that's a, something that like that you're pushing as a parent and not something that the school is like recommending i think that i'm more comfortable with it times have obviously changed we know a little bit more you know right <laughs> i ran track i played football i did all those things and i remember before the before the two mile which was my event i'd throw a, a handful of uh, hot tamales into my mouth and wash them down with a green powder. exactly exactly like, I,
0: you, know, a- you don't really think about you are right now that old person saying, "Oh man, it, it was fine when I did it," and I'm. As when people always tell me,
1: but no, but it, yeah, but you're right. It wasn't fine though. Like I'm realizing that now. Like oh, those habits continued to you know after I actually was performing yeah. athletically, which is you know led to the shape that I'm in now. But like I just, I just, it, it seems. If, it, if it's coming from the parent and it's part of just like performing uh, at, at an elite level, at the best level that you possibly can, you know, great. You don't want to get into, uh, uh, you know, what's his name's territory, the, the USC quarterback that
0: you know, oh, used to man. lie
1: about not ever having a candy bar. Or,
0: Manovich? Uh,
1: yeah, Marinovich. Uh, Marinovich. Marinovich, yeah. You don't want to get into Marinovich territory, but at the same time, if it's something that uh, that, that is helpful to the body and, and, and in no way is sort of like, you know, illegal or performance enhancing or causes them to have any complex or whatever, then I get it, you know. But if it's the team saying like, hey, in order to even go out on the field, you're going to need to have an IV, I think then the people who think football is too dangerous will just have a lot more ammo um, with something like that.
0: Dude, the football is dangerous crowd and nobody should ever play. That crowd is never going away. That is that is people who a lot of times are afraid of their own shadow. The The game is changing. It's a lot more safer now. I I'm I feel comfortable with my son playing now. And I sit on the Harvard, the board for the Harvard football health study. Like, so we go over all the things. Once they get 12, 13, their brains are a lot, um, their skulls are a lot more hardened. It's a lot more safe. And make sure you're playing for a coach that values their health over winning. Um, Ralph, UCLA, the Bruins have a ticket problem. Let me tell you what came in the email, Ralph. I, and I could not believe it because I first saw it on online on Reddit. And I was like, okay, this is probably some, some troll stuff from USC or somebody else in the rival. Let me read this to you. Title, four complimentary tickets are in your account. Dear Bruin family, thank you for supporting the more than 100 student athletes who compete for the UCLA football by attending Saturday's home opener at the Rose Bowl. So to make a long story short, to show our appreciation for your loyalty and commitment to UCLA football, we would like to offer you four additional complimentary tickets to this Saturday's home game against the number five ranked Oklahoma Sooners. So it's a small token of our appreciation from our athletic department for your continued support as we continue every day to work to build a successful football program. I thought this was a lie, Ralph. I was like, you're going to give away four tickets to every single season ticket holder that attended last week's game. And mind you, I didn't go to last week's game against San Diego State. My, I gave my tickets away. So guess what? My tickets got scanned. So I was at the game. And so you get this, Ralph. I ha- I searched through the email. I thought this was a joke there. I, I couldn't believe it. And then I find out from my in-laws that there was only about 35,000 people at the game against San Diego State, which is atrocious. The Rose Bowl seats over a hundred thousand people. So that's like one every three seats empty. Do you realize how bad that looked? And now they're giving away four tickets, bro. Is there anything more pathetic than this?
1: I mean, oh, I I get it though. <laughs> like I yeah, yes, yes, it is pathetic. But what's the alternative? Is it more pathetic to have those seats? be empty when a top 5 team comes to visit the Rose Bowl. To me that's the only thing more pathetic than just giving those tickets away to make sure that it doesn't happen. And here's here's my mindset on this and I know that it sounds crazy. It's early in the morning, so forgive me, but what's the what's the lottery slogan? If you want to win, you got to play, right? You and I both know that if we buy a lottery yep. ticket, we're going to lose. The odds are more in our favor. I guess in our favor wouldn't be the appropriate thing to say, but it's, it's more likely that we get struck by lightning than actually winning the lottery. But what if we win? Right? That's what keeps us buying the tickets. What if we win? And, you know, I'm out here in Arizona where almost 75% of the Arizona State fans that I meet are derived from the time they beat Nebraska 19 to nothing in 1996. Either it's those people's kids, or it's like those people who were at the game or who watched the game, who all remember the super improbable victory over the previous year's national champion, shutting them out. Like that, that, that just being there or being around for, the, for that planted the seeds of a fandom that has lasted generations and keeps people excited. What if UCLA beats Oklahoma? I mean, it's not going to happen, but what, what if it. they do? Stop and it, So Robbie. It's like the whole lottery ticket thing. Like, if you want to win, you got to play, right? So if you've got a few hundred, a couple of thousand more people in the stands at the Rose Bowl than you would have had otherwise, and UCLA pulls off some kind of miracle, you are planting the seeds for generations of excitement and fame. It would be a huge deal for UCLA. There's no downside. What, they look stupid? They look stupid when they got destroyed by San Diego State and Cincinnati with a brand new coach that they're paying a bunch of money to. They already look as stupid as they're going to look. So why not get some butts in the seats and roll the dice? If they can take down Oklahoma with with more people in the stadium than would have been otherwise – it will have a very long-term impact. If not, it'll just be a loss that we all expect. So UCLA
0: is, well, Oklahoma's favored by 23 and a half points, which I think is a, yeah, I was like, I was like, why is this line so (laughs) low? I expected this to be at least a 35 point line. And so on one hand, I agree with you, Ralph, because remember when Stanford and Jim Harbaugh, uh, they had the big upset over USC. They were like 40, 49 point dogs or something like that. It was stupid. It was stupid. Like it was the mo- one of the most outrageous lines and they actually won. So, and this reminds me of dumb and dumber when uh, they go, so you're saying there's a chance. Like there's a point oh oh one right. percent chance they win this game, but you're saying there's a chance. That's kind of what this is, bro. Cause UCLA, well, oh, actually, now that I think about it, when we get to the preview of this game, I'm going to tell you guys why UCLA might actually look better in this game. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, okay, the where you said it's good if it happens, but the other thing is you're going to have recruits who come to the game. You are going to have you know, a ton of Oklahoma fans there because they're going to come out because the game's in Los Angeles. But if you go and it's 50 to 3 at halftime, people are going to leave, first of all. Stadium is going to be empty again. And you look terrible in front of future UCLA fans. You look terrible in front of future recruits. Or maybe future recruits are saying, oh my, oh my God, they need me. I can come in here and start. These dudes suck. So, I mean, there's so much potential backlash in different areas. But I do agree that they need a better home crowd. I mean, it's terrible. Is there
1: no Lakers-UCLA crossover? Like, the Lakers were bad for a really long time, and people still came to see who was going to bring it, you know, for the other team. They still wanted a show. 16 this is Oklahoma.
0: There, there is UCLA. There is yeah. USC-Laker crossover. I mean, people I in LA you. they love their champions, and if you are ingrained in the culture as a champion, so it's like UCLA football, US—I'm sorry, USC football, UCLA basketball, and Lakers. That is LA. UCLA.
1: So UCLA football, correct? Is the oh Clippers? yeah, hundred
0: percent. Even though they do have a Heisman Trophy, even though they do have a national championship in football. And they've had some really, really good years. It's just not the same. Like USC was still getting uh, five-star players when they were on probation. They couldn't even go to bowl games, and they were still getting top five. I mean, uh, top five recruiting classes. Um, Ralph, the Pac-12 has a nine a.m. kickoff this week on on the West Coast. Everybody was complaining about 9 a.m. kickoffs. And they said they put them to bed, but they lied to us, Ralph. There is a 10 a.m. kickoff. There is a – yeah, there's a 10 a.m. kickoff as well, Ralph. What do you think about that?
1: Well, the 9 a.m. kickoff is actually going to be in a couple weeks. It's when Cal goes to visit, I think, old Miss. Yes. and so, so it's you know it's it's a it's eleven a.m. for them out there, but I think it, 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 we're going to get our first introduction to what the future of this conference looks like. You know, watching Cal at nine in the morning, uh, and hopefully there's a little bit of offense mixed in for Cal to help wake us up a little bit. Um,
0: Don't expect that's gonna that. Be an important Don't game expect that. Its, yeah,
1: <laughs> but that that's definitely going to be interesting. And and if it is, uh, I'm not sure if it's Ole Miss or Mississippi State. But uh, uh, Memphis has already has a win, you know, over Ole Miss, so I think it's a winnable game. But um, I, I just uh, it just noticed that to like, hey, we're going to get our first taste of of that early morning Pac-12 football. It is a road game, but still, I think I, I think it's kind of a sneaky way to it's like sneak in the, the the vegetables uh, into into your kids' food um, to just get us used to it a little bit. And then I did notice that like. In the meantime, you know, with these 11 a.m. kickoffs, I'm watching SEC teams complain about kicking off at 11 a.m. And I made fun of I made fun of Alabama I, on Twitter. I said they're the whiniest uh, champions in the history of the world. Like they are just always finding something to complain about. They are the reason the word title is in the word entitlement. And I had a former I had a former Alabama volleyball player reach out to me who's married to a uh, a former Alabama offensive lineman who's an offensive lineman in the NFL now and she was like you realize these early kickoffs like it, it's more about the students and it costs us millions of dollars in like you know people that would have come into the city and spent money and and all that and i get it from that perspective it's just weird to hear Alabama complaining about stuff when they don't really do much to make sure that these games are worth attending you know Saban went after the students again and it was like yeah well you're playing a team that Wazoo beat by 50 the week before and you're up by 40 in the third quarter uh what are you gonna do if you're a student do you want to hang no, around for that hell so, no. I'm just watching the SEC complain about all this stuff that like and the Pac-12 has it worse like we got to kick off two hours earlier than that and 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 you, you have multiple championships, don't even play anybody that matters, and you're pissed off. I just Dude, don't get that.
0: First of all, Alabama never plays a game more than one time zone away from them. Never. Think about this. Nick Saban, as long as he's been at Alabama, over a decade, he's only played two true road games in the non-conference. Only two. Alabama plays every damn game at home, except for their conference schedule games that are mandated to play on the road. That is it. They'll play in Atlanta. They'll play in Dallas. Occasionally close flights, no more than an hour and a half. I, I would bet you some of these Alabama guys are probably scared, scared of planes. Like They're like, Ooh, 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 man, I, I, I can't fly three <laughs> hours. Can't fly anywhere. In three hours. That's way too long. I might die. That's how bad their schedule is. So nobody wants to hear them complaining. Nobody wants to hear Nick Saban's boo-hooing about, about people not showing up. Think about this. Imagine if Alabama had to be like Washington State and Washington or other Pac-12 teams. If you're USC, you you have to play a game in the same year, maybe in Arizona in a billion degrees in, in hell, and then turn around – a month and a half later, and play a game in, in a polar ice cap in uh, Pullman. Like, they don't have these weather changes. They don't have these, like, like uh, geological phenomenon that they have to deal with. It, uh, right, and, like, Gre- Greg
1: Byrne, the athletic director out at Alabama, is the former athletic director from the University of Arizona. University of Arizona played 13 games in a row one time without a bye week. That's how bad the Pac-12 screwed them. And he's out here crafting official letters uh, complaining about an 11 a.m. kickoff against a team that they're going to wreck by 50. And it's just like, do you even remember your time at Arizona? Mm -hmm. You had 13 straight weeks of playing football. You had an extra game, and a lot of those kickoffs were at 9 at night. Like, just, it could be worse, man. Chill. They're
0: not even going to have any hydration problems in Alabama because they're barely going to have anybody playing. I mean, these guys, are. this is going to be a <laughs> tune-up game. And and guess what? Fans aren't going to show up either. Not because it's not hot. Because we we see that fans show up regardless of weather, when there's a good product on the field, and maybe schedule better, Alabama. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about your boohoo in it, Nick Saban. Um
1: George, would anybody care about the Rocky films if it was just five movies of Rocky not having any adversity and knocking everybody out in the first round? This isn't even adversity.
0: This is not adversity. But
1: I'm just saying, I'm just saying students aren't going to go to these games if you're just blowing everybody out all the time, if there's nothing really to watch. the, The Avengers just made like $2 billion because it was a movie where the bad guy won and then the good guys come back and they win. Star Wars is the most popular movie of all time because the empire struck back like you need competition to keep people interested. So I just don't get like blasting these students for not wanting to come to games where, you know, the I outcome. totally
0: agree. But before we get into the games right now, I have a question for you. Which is more pathetic? Because I want to go back. I forgot when we were talking about UCLA. Which is more pathetic? UCLA having to give away four tickets? Or Michigan a few years ago having to offer fans free tickets if they brought a Coke can to the game?
1: I think by your own rules, Michigan has more tradition. And so that would be that would be it for me i mean this is this is like a long standing problem with ucla and i'm almost wondering why they haven't given tickets away sooner i never understand why they don't just give away unsold tickets to make sure that there's butts in the seats as just a loss leader i i've, I've never understood that so for me it's going to be michigan well
0: yeah cuz those people are going to buy concessions they have to park like you're actually yep. going to put some revenue back in your in your pocket and maybe you convert some fans especially in a hundred thousand seat stadium when the when the attendance is not the same as it is at brian denny at alabama or or in knoxville at tennessee or michigan even those teams when they're bad they have attendance problems and that's what ucla is going through right now now ralph on to the games first game we got another stupid friday night kickoff 6:15. Washington State heads down to Houston, and Washington State fans, I'm telling you right now, you better not lose this game. After you have been crying and complaining about where your team is ranked in the in the power rankings, we don't want to hear you crying. This is your opportunity. You played New Mexico State and DeVry already, and ITT Tech. That's who you played, and you want to be ranked. They're ranked They're ranked in the top 25 this week, number 20, because their offense, quote-unquote, Ralph, is the most efficient in the country, d- despite playing my eighth-grader's Pop Warner team. They're favored by eight and a half points. What do you see in this game? Well,
1: first of all, I think that that line is a little bit confusing for me. I, I don't think Houston's going to be able to hang. Um, but they do have the advantage of being at home and, and, and it's hard to count out any team that has the King. Um, this is a Houston team that can score a whole lot of points. Um, but if their quarterback isn't on, they can get blown out by 30. It's, it, 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 there are very few teams that are as dependent on the performance of one player as Houston is, uh, at, at this point, um, and so it really comes down to, you know, whether Mike Leach has taken a break from tweeting about uh, Texas Tech or if he's not distracted by being back in the state of Texas uh, and and is taking the time to figure out how to show his defense how to slow down that quarterback. And if they do that, I don't I don't see any reason why this shouldn't be a 20- to 30-point victory. I would be a little bit shocked if it was close. If this game is close, it's going to make me question their ability to compete when it comes time to play. Um In the Pac-12, I think that they need to go to Houston and they need to show that the first two weeks weren't just a fluke and they need to try to put up 45 to 50 points on the board and let their defense do what it's been doing for the last couple of years, which is make other offenses look worse than they really are.
0: Here is the part that confuses me about Houston when I'm looking at this game. First, they played Oklahoma opening week 49 to 31 that gave me concerns about Oklahoma's defense but then because it's been bad but then also I'm like okay Houston has some dudes they got a good coach and I'm like okay this actually is maybe not bad like this the, like they may be okay but then they come back the very next week and play Prairie View A&M and win the game 37 to 17 37 to 17. So I'm I'm looking at this game, and I'm saying, wow, uh, maybe – I have no clue about Houston now. I'm saying that Dana Holkerson, Holkerson's team, who used to be the coach at West Virginia, who's now at Houston, I'm saying I don't know what to make of this team. However, Washington State should clearly beat this team, and it, and if they don't demolish them. If Aaron Gordon, who's already in two games thrown for 884 yards, nine touchdowns, Max Borgie has another three touchdowns, that this is a game that they need to absolutely dominate. And if they don't, Ralph, I totally agree that I'm throwing a wet blanket on their Pac-12 conference uh, play future this year.
1: The one area where Houston is dangerous is they can sustain a drive. They have... They have enough weapons to – I mean, when, when they were playing Oklahoma, they were down 35-10, to 10, and then all the sort of a sudden, like, the offense started to click. They had a 12-play, 87-yard touchdown drive to bring it to 35-17. And then in the fourth quarter, they held the ball almost the entire time. They had a 12-play, 75-yard drive to score, and then a 7-play, seven 72-yard drive to score just in the final nine minutes. So if they can find a way to have sustained offensive drives, and that keeps Anthony Gordon off the field – and And then, all of a sudden, that becomes a problem for Washington State. Washington State's offense needs to be on the field. The defense needs to get stops. I mean, that I mean that's just football, regardless. but I mean that that's yeah. the one thing that's dangerous about this Houston team is with Dana Holgerson, like he knows how to just eat up a little bit of yards here and there, and they're patient enough uh, that if they're able to do that early in the game, then you could get yourself in some trouble. You could get outside your game plan.
0: And Houston's quarterback, King. Is like Khalil Tate. He is fast. He's gonna run. He may be able to throw the I'll ball watch a little bit better than Khalil, but uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I may have offended Khalil Tate Amsden, his dad, or, or are are you his dad, uncle? I'm just first trying cousin. I'm, what? I'm just an admirer. Just an admirer. That's all. Okay. You and you and you and everybody else with his last name. Um, that's who. That's who Houston is like they have an athletic quarterback. They have some athletes that get a lot of bounce backs from other power five schools, particularly, you know, they'll come from Oregon's had guys go there. You'll get guys from USC, from from Michigan, Central Florida, like they are that team. Well, actually, Central Florida is a bounce back team, too, but they get a lot of bounce back guys. That's who they are. Next game up Saturday. This is an early kickoff, a twelve thirty kickoff. USC heads to BYU. Keaton Slovis, after his phenomenal game, he's been reading his press clippings. They go to BYU, who Utah had a you know had a little trouble with in the Holy War, and USC is favored by four and a half points. Who you got in this game, Ralph?
1: I have I mean I have USC. I've I've always had USC starting off 4 and 1. And so I'm I'm going to I'm going to keep riding that until it happens so that I can brag. Uh, and then if it doesn't you'll never hear from me again. But I, I think that um I think that Utah showed that you could go into Provo and win. I don't think the victory at Tennessee is as impressive anymore after what Georgia State did. Um so I mean uh, this BYU team is just not it the brand has moved to like smash mouth football. Like BYU is almost trying to be Utah a little bit. And like, that's not what BYU is. BYU's always been big and strong, but they've been able to wing the ball all over the field. They've always had good quarterbacks. And I feel like this team is just a little bit outside of that brand and that identity where they had a lot of success. If they're not able to score and score quickly, then you could run into some serious trouble. With, with trying to defend the athleticism of what USC has um, on the outside and then getting your offense back on the field and trying to play catch-up. Um, do I think that this USC team has the maturity to go in and not have a hangover from beating Stanford and not be reading their own press clippings? Uh, no. <laughs> so I, I think that this game will probably be closer than USC fans
0: are comfortable with, but I do see USC coming out with a win. I do too. I got USC winning too, but I definitely agree that they've been reading their own press clippings. They've been looking, maybe Clay Helton's walking around the the facility with a little more swagger, like, ha ha, I ain't getting fired today, buddy. Ha ha, you, yeah. Uh-huh. Told you, if, told you if, I know what I'm doing. If you're Utah, then you've, you've definitely got an eye on this game because
1: how good would it make Utah look if Utah could beat BYU by 18, which is the first time in several years that they've beat them by more than one touchdown, then BYU goes and beats Tennessee at Neyland in overtime and then beats USC. I think it, that would put Utah in the driver's seat as the absolute favorite in the Pac-12 South, and, and they'd be kind of casting a shadow over everybody. USC would go into that Utah game as probably an extreme underdog at home. And so um, I think that this game, if you're a Utah fan, you got to be uh, swallow a really bitter pill and root for BYU.
0: Oh, dude, I could think the complete opposite. Uh, I USC winning a close game it has no bearing on how they play against Utah at at home. Only because Keaton Slovis, the freshman kid, it it was his first start last week at home against Stanford, and he started against another first-time starting quarterback. So the pressure was low. And his wide receiver showed up and made big plays for him, all of that. But now taking his game on the road for the first time in what is going to absolutely be a hostile environment. There's going to be no friends. The the Mormons are going to be saying things that they have to repent for the next day. Or when they get home, it is not going to be a nice environment. Because we know that they get ruckus and crazy because uh, Utah Jazz fans are known as the most ridiculously rude sometimes and saying the most inappropriate things. They're almost up there with, with Philadelphia Eagles fans. So I got USC in the game. I think it's going to be closer than they want it because they got a freshman quarterback going on the road. They're averaging 38 points a game right now. Utah's only, I'm sorry, Utah, BYU's only averaging 20 points a game. I like USC in this football game. Um, Ralph, uh, we also got on Saturday, we got Air Force heading to Colorado. Yeah. This game's on Pac-12 Network. Colorado's favorite by three and a half points. I like Colorado in this game. Only because they're playing at home, they're 2-0, and and they have a little bit of confidence surrounding them, but playing against a service academy who mainly is going to run triple option, they're going to throw the ball a little, a little bit more than Army does, but this is not, not going to be a cakewalk.
1: You are correct. As somebody who grew up a Wyoming fan, every time I see – Air Force on the schedule. Anytime I see Air Force on anybody's schedule, I just shudder a little bit because it's going to be a long day of cut blocking. <laughs> like, it's going to be a long day of them really efficiently running the triple option. They've got athletes to, uh, to be dangerous if they get to the outside. They're used to this. Um, they play hard no matter what. Uh, they're a team that sticks to what they do, even if they get down, which, you know, it's weird to see teams that run themselves back in the games, but they'll do it. Uh, and so, you know, it's it, it's just, you watched last week's performance for Colorado, and it's great that they beat Nebraska and everything, but that slow start is still a concern. That, that happened. That's something that we need to talk about, them being down 17-0 at halftime. You can't flirt that way with Air Force, because— Not only will you have a harder time getting back into a game, uh, you won't have the ball. Like, Nebraska is stupid enough to to throw the ball while they're up, have a few incomplete passes, and then have to punt it back to Colorado. Air Force isn't going to do that. They're going to take their two and a half yards per down, and they're going to keep the ball away from you the entire time. A quick start has never been more important for Colorado. This is a trap game. They need to just make sure that they get out of there with a the win. Even the, the line is scary. The line tells me that there's enough people that believe that Air Force is going to go in and get this game and that a lot of people are actually betting against Colorado. I like Colorado to win, but I'm super worried for them if they have a repeat performance uh, like they did with Nebraska and don't put up any points in the first half.
0: The... Triple option motto, the way it, it's built is three plus three plus three plus three is 12. Three yards to carry is just fine because then you end up in fourth and one. If you pick up another three yards, you got a first down, buddy. Then they just grind the clock. There are no incompletions. So the clock just runs and runs and runs. So the game is a lot shorter. So like you said, they're not going to have as many opportunities to come back. Next game we got Stanford. KJ Costello is supposed to be back. They're heading down to Orlando to play UCF. UCF is an entire touchdown favorite, 7 points, and I'm a UCF guy. Like I like UCF. However, they're playing against the Pac-12. This is another game that would be that that would be an untenable loss. Like it would just the conference can't have this game on national television, on ESPN, as a loss for the Pac-12, it would just be absolutely brutal. To even though UCF is the best team in the state of Florida, I
1: mean, <laughs> I don't know how you define best. If it's just results, then and coaching, then I think you you can definitely make an argument. Um, Who
0: is better, talent wise? We saw we saw Florida. No, just just winning wise, and if these two teams yeah. played, because we because Florida played Miami, they both looked terrible. Florida was a miracle; they escaped. And over the last couple of seasons, UCF has been better, and UCF would beat Florida, Miami, and um, yeah, Florida, Miami, and Florida State right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt they'd beat Florida State, but I, I the other two, the other two, I think would be a little closer than maybe your. You're thinking they they but yeah, I mean i it's not it's not it's not ridiculous to say that they're the best team in Florida, uh, and in fact, it's not ridiculous to just let's just call them the best team in the country because that's what they'd call themselves, so um i I don't know about this game, I don't think it looks good for Stanford uh after last week of you know allowing almost four hundred yards passing and then to have to go up against. I mean Mackenzie Milton's still throwing passes for u c f out there right like he came back that's that's trouble um it's yeah you gotta go all the way across the country you gotta play at nine thirty in the morning your time against a team that is just super hot offensively, and you gotta hope that your grinded out style will muddy things up enough um to keep them off rhythm uh hopefully hopefully getting beat by USC sort of centered everybody um going into this game but then you're also dealing with the fact that you know you're not going to have Walker Little for the rest of the season like what a huge blow that is right so maybe they're a little bit distracted I like I like UCF in this I hate to say this but I like UCF in this game I just think that I mean it was ballsy of Stanford to, to go out there in the first place maybe maybe this was scheduled several years ago and then it realized that UCF was going to be the you know uh, the powerhouse that they are now. but I just uh, not a lot of, about this game looks good for Stanford.
0: The only positive for Stanford I think is that last year they went out to Nebraska, played an early kick and you have most of those same players back and now they're going to the east coast again playing another early kick so i think that last year prepared them a little bit for that so i man i i want to take stanford i want to take him but i'm taking stanford i'm taking stanford i'm staying with the pac12 conference i oh god i just like ucf i like like how hard they play they got good talented players but i'm taking stanford ralph i'm going on the books is taking stanford Oh, and after this week, we are keeping score. We are keeping okay. score. Okay. We're keeping tally. The way everybody knows that I'm greater than you at picking games. Well, a, um, first of
1: all, this is a Pac-12 North game, so obviously you're going to get it right, and I'm going to get it wrong. Because so far, <laughs> I've only been right about Pac-12 South stuff. Uh, so, I mean, I, and I'm, I hope you're right. I hope that you're right, because it would be really funny to see, you know, all the national media – who all hates UCF, just waiting to descend and and poke fun at, at that team. Um, but then at the same time, it hurt my feelings a little bit because then they, the way that they would do it is by downplaying Stanford and saying, you got beat by Stanford in a down year. They're not even that good. So you're going to get some backdoor insults if Stanford wins. But I think that, that, oh, that yeah, you Stanford are. would be happy to take that.
0: Uh, I 100% agree. The next game of your boys – the Arizona State Sun Devils they head out to play number eighteen Michigan. They are fourteen point dogs, which is crazy because Michigan State is like the cow of West. Like they they have <laughs> great defense, don't score a lot of offense. Well coached, Ralph. There is not a snowball's chance in hell that Michigan um, that Arizona State wins this game. I see no possible solution, oh, okay. especially after last week when they played against Sacramento State. They could not protect the quarterback against Sacramento State. And Lewerke, who is a run-pass option at, at Michigan State at quarterback, bro, like, there's no chance Arizona State wins this game. They won last year. But Michigan State's actually scoring a little bit of points this year. They're averaging 39 and a half points, even though, even though, Ralph, so far they've only played Tulsa and Western Michigan. But in previous years, they would have given up way less. I mean, they would have scored way less points. They're only allowing 12 points a game. They're gobbling up yards, only allowing 216 yards a game. Bro, there's no chance Arizona State wins this game, Ralph. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: I think that there's a chance. Um,
0: I don't think Michigan State's that
1: good this year. Uh, They looked so bad against Tulsa. I watched that game. That was, I mean, the defensive touchdowns helped the bottom line for that score. But offensively, Michigan State is an absolute mess. They never really figure out what to do with their quarterbacks out there. And then their quarterbacks go to the NFL and they look like they should have been absolute stars at the collegiate level. I mean, the NFL is filled with former Michigan state quarterbacks, right? Who are all outperforming the way that they played when they were at Michigan state. I think Brian Lewerke is going to be another one of those. He's in his fifth year at Michigan state. He's in his fourth year as a starter. He's down here from pinnacle high school where Spencer Rattler went to, went to school who is at Oklahoma. Now I watched Brian Lewerke down here when he was in high school He's one of those guys who every single week will make one throw that will make you think like, wow, this man is a superhuman. That throw should be impossible. And then the rest of the game, he'll just get hit a bunch and be inaccurate. And so his inaccuracies give Arizona State the opening to try to do something because if Michigan State lets ASU hang around like they did last year in Tempe when they lost to ASU, if they let them hang around, and he's not able to make the plays when it matters, then you give Arizona State a chance to compete. My thing is, ASU has never really been all that good on the road, ever. Uh, They always sort of find a way to disappoint. um, But also, they play like 20 freshmen on this team. So that could work either way. The freshmen could know no better and go in and, and cause some problems for another team. Uh, Or they could go in and they can be completely overwhelmed. And I'm not really sure which one that would be yet. The guy I'm most afraid of is Raekwon Williams. Big number 99 for Michigan State, 6'4", 303. If Arizona State's offensive line is going to have problems, uh, he's going to feast. He is already one of the best players in all of college football. And and I, I don't really see Arizona State having a very easy time blocking him. But if Michigan State can't score, then it is what it is. Like you've got, you got Arizona State's special teams is one of the best in the country. Uh, and oh, if you're they're playing a game. Their
0: of, punter is a weapon, bro. <laughs> their right. punter and is a weapon. Their punter's a weapon,
1: and their backup kicker is six for six on field goals. And their regular kicker has gone viral for kicking seventy-five yarders in 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 several you know videos. So like they're good on special teams. If you want to play a field position special teams game, ASU might have the advantage, but I just don't see ASU really being able to move the ball all that well. Um I I if if Michigan State does cover this line, it'll be because it's like 17 to 3. Um so I'm with you in that I think Michigan State pulls this out. I think home field's going to be really huge for them, but I'm looking at like a 20 to 14 game. I think that yeah. I think it'll be close, and I think it will just be god-awful ugly. Both of these offenses are are uh, abominable, and then both of the defenses are pretty good, and playing against each other, it could just be messy.
0: This is the same Michigan State team, well, a little bit different, that played a bowl game last year against Oregon and lost 7-6. to six. It was one of the most horrendous football games yep. I've ever seen one of the most horrendous. Next game up should be an absolute uh just house call. I have been critical of Utah's offense, but I don't even see the line on this game. They're playing Idaho State. They're probably they're probably favored by a billion. They're playing at Rice Echo Stadium, 115. uh I mean, I don't even know what station this game is on because it's not even showing. It might be on, like, streaming on Facebook, like like the Hawaii game. I I mean, this is another one of these non-competitive, non-conference games. Utah's defense is going to absolutely drown Idaho State. They are going to just hold them underwater, and just they're never going to let up. And unless Tyler Huntley throws picks, or Zach Moss is fumbling the ball, there's no chance they lose this this game. This game is about keeping people healthy.
1: Yeah, just hand the ball off to Zach Moss. Like, there's no reason to do anything else. Uh, Idaho State has a couple of uh, B1 bounce backs, but they're not, they're not in any way a threat. They're not a threat even in the big sky to really do anything of consequence. And so, I mean... Find a way. Utah can find a way to make things seem closer than they really are, just with the way they run their offense. But I mean, uh, Idaho State's also a team that likes to run, so maybe it could just be. Um, maybe it could end up being a low-scoring uh, game. But you know, this is a this is a Idaho State team that ran for over twenty five hundred yards last year, um, and 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 was able to throw the ball a little bit. So they're balanced. Maybe if they can find a way to hold on to the ball, it won't be as bad of a bloodbath. But I think that if you if you follow the Pac-12 and if you follow Utah, you would just be happy to get in there and do what Arizona did in the first half against NAU last week and just you know have it be 51-13 at halftime, get the backups in, and, and, and let them get some time.
0: Totally agree. This is a game where you get your guys who are going to redshirt some experience. You get them. This is one of those games that they get to play one of their four games. You take advantage of it. You let them play as much as possible. The way next year when they come out and play, they're not terrified. Or if somebody gets hurt and they have to play this year, they're in good position. Uh, next, next game. I know this team will not have a hangover because I know their coaching staff. I played with Justin Wilcox have former coaches that i coached with well that i played for on this staff and maybe why i like cal so much one of my good friends coaches for him but at the end of the day their team is just really damn good they are really damn good on defense their offense is trash and i hate to say it about college kids because it's not necessarily all their fault but sometimes you, you just don't have the requisite skills all the time to do what you need to do, um, to do what coaches are asking you to do. Everybody knows they want better players. Everybody wants better recruits. They are three-star guys that are coached up into five-star guys. So imagine if Cal keeps winning and they end up getting some four- and five-star guys. This team is going to be stupid. They're playing North Texas. They're favored by half points, which is which is crazy to me because that means if Cal is favored by 13 and a half points, that means they'll probably win the game 14 to zero, you know, um, North Texas beat somebody named ACU and they lost to Southern Miss 49 to 27. You know, this is, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start with this game, because uh, I don't know much about North Texas, but I do know about Cal and Cal's defense should absolutely destroy them. And this should be an opportunity for Chase Garbers, their quarterback, their their young uh, their their young running backs, Christopher and uh oh gosh. And the other guys you like Darcy, they should have big games. Cal wins this game easily. You know, they cover the 13 and a half points by winning 14 0.
1: Um, I think this is a cool. Uh, this is a really cool game for Cal. Um, this is one that I'm I'm actually really excited to watch, uh, because you have the you know what we think was probably the best secondary in the Pac-12 gets to go up against a quarterback who is 48 yards away from 10,000 career passing yards in Mason Fine, and so um, you know this is a this is a really cool opportunity for Cal to shine and to show what they can do against a pretty good quarterback. You know, a quarterback who's got um, who threw for 3,800 yards last year, 4,000 the year before that. uh, Four-year starter. So, um, you know, this this is one of those things where if Cal's defensive backs show up, you can absolutely say that they're for real because the one thing that North Texas can do is throw the ball all over the field. It hasn't translated to wins, but at the same time, you can measure what they typically do statistically against what they do statistically against Cal and say, you know, here's why Cal is special. So this is an opportunity game for Cal to showcase what they're all about, because, you know, Mason Fine is one of those guys who's just a, uh, he's a shade under six foot. He, he kind of fell to a, to a group of five school and he's found a way to really thrive. And, um, you know, this is a guy in Mason Fine who if he had an opportunity to play Oregon State or Arizona this week, Would no doubt throw for 450 yards. So it'll be interesting to see what Cal does against him. Uh, Big game for Cal as far as just showcasing. And uh, I'm excited for that.
0: 100% agree. Uh, The next game up. Oh, somebody should get a win. The Beavers of Oregon State should get a win against Cal Poly. They're playing at home. I coach my son's my youngest son who's 8 his flag football team I just found out one of the parents are Beaver fans and I was like oh I'm sorry you guys are bad <laughs> and 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 he said oh don't, don't worry the tables are gonna turn soon on Oregon and Oregon State I was like uh, have you seen what's going on not really not really I was like it'll probably be at least a decade before you guys win another game and, but they're playing Cal Poly. They're 0-2. Jake Luton, their quarterback, had a bad game last last game. They lost to Hawaii. They lost to Hawaii, 31-28. to Make me believe, Ralph, that I'm making a good choice in picking Oregon State.
1: Uh, I think you are. Um, I'm a little bit worried about their defense, even in this game. Because, you know, San Diego State managed to score six against Weaver State, right? Well, Cal Poly played them the next week and dropped 24. So, so uh, you know, I look at Oregon State's defense, and they actually had a pretty good second half against Hawaii. you got to give them credit for that as the offense that didn't do anything. Um, but, yeah, I think that there's a chance for them to give up some points. I just, again, I'm a big believer in the Oregon State offense. And so, you know, I, I'm thinking, a, a, you know, a, a 55 to 24 game um, is just what the doctor ordered. But I, I don't think this defense is going to be shutting down Cal Poly. Cal Poly's played two games against San Diego and Weber State, and they've scored 76 total points. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I would put Oregon State's defense maybe on the level of a Weber State. If I'm being completely honest, like I know a lot of the kids who play at Weaver State and they're, they've got a pretty good defense. And I think that if you switched it out for what Oregon State had, you wouldn't see a difference. So um, I do expect Cal Poly to score, but I, I expect uh, Oregon to literally run away with this game. Just feed the beast, give the ball to your two star running backs and don't worry about anything
0: else. I totally agree with you. Like, just just feed the meter. Stop trying to be tricky. Stop trying to just win, just win a game. Like, you have to win a game. And Jamar Jefferson yep. is their key to winning a game. Uh, the next game up, Ralph. Hawaii, the pack who's already beaten Oregon State and already beaten Arizona, is 20-point dogs. They're playing away. They're playing at Washington this week washington is favored by 20 and a half points is there any way i'm well i got washington in this game first and foremost because chris peterson's too good of a coach to have watched the oregon state and arizona film and lose a game to hawaii there's zero chance like i this is my bet the farm there's no way they lose to hawaii I, I, I would, I will, oh my Lord, I will renounce my Pac-12. Actually, I'll renounce Washington for all time because I will never ren- renounce Oregon. I will renounce Washington. I will, I will go on record begging Hawaii to be a part of the Pac-12 if they win this game. There's no chance. They're running back situation is too good in terms of a mad. he's so explosive Chris Peterson it might give him 50 carries before he loses the game because Oregon State did not run the ball enough particularly in the first half the Washington's defense even though that they're going to be stressed and tested by McDonald and this passing attack there's no way they lose this game I hope no not. way
1: I, this is the freaking boogeyman at this point <laughs> Like, this is the last team in the world that I want to see. I'm so sick of Hawaii right now. Uh, I just, you know, this is, I don't know. These are the two states with active volcanoes. (laughs) That's what they have in common. The talent level at Washington is so much higher than it is at Hawaii. But those guys are absolutely rolling right now. Um, I just... I I, I want to say no there's absolutely no shot uh for Hawaii but like my confidence in Washington is shook after the Cal game last week uh, but then again Washington is really a team that takes wake up calls really well um yeah I I don't know if I like the spread I don't know if I like the spread I think Hawaii is going to come into this game really like with nothing to lose cuz they're already two and oh they're already two wins ahead of where they thought they'd be at this point of the season I don't see Hawaii going in and playing tight at all or or coming in thinking that, like, we need to keep this undefeated streak going. We're playing for a national championship. I think they're going to come in and do what they do. They've got two receivers who have over 255 yards receiving already. So, I mean, Washington's just going to have to find a way to to contain those guys on the outside. Dare Hawaii to run, they won't. And then on offense, they just have to be bullies. Oregon State is not a bully. They could have been in that game, and they chose not to be, and Arizona is not bullying anyone. You know, they're, they're kind of a finesse offense with the ability to be a bully if they wanted to, but not the coaching staff to actually execute that game plan. And so Washington is not afraid to be a bully, and I think they'll be fine in this game, but God, I'm just so sick of Hawaii, and I'm, I'd be very happy to not see them again.
0: Oh, there is some news that came off the wire though about Oregon State. So their linebacker Addison Gums, he tore his ACL. He's out. There is they have their old lineman L-Lava, Lavaska Lavaca, um, Caleb Hayes, each suspended for the first half of the Cal Poly game. Like they don't need any additional players out if you're them. And then also, um, there they got another linebacker linebacker, Tago Eldridge, like and their center Eldridge out a week or two. So this is to go back to the Oregon State poly game, this is not necessarily great news for them. Um but to but the Washington Hawaii game Washington watch wins this game, Ralph. I, I think we're overthinking it. This would be, this would be the death blow to the Pac-12. The death blow if they lose this game. Unless
1: Hawaii, unless I mean, Hawaii, unless th- Hawaii wins a national championship or goes to a uh, like a like if Hawaii was to go three zero against the Pac-12, the only way that that wouldn't mean like the death of the Pac-12 as we know it is if for Hawaii kept it rolling. Like, we would all be rooting for Hawaii every single week, and I don't want that to happen.
0: That would be the death blow. They'd be like, hold up. They beat three Pac-12 teams. Maybe the Pac-12 should be a group of five teams. The Oklahoma. Oklahoma heads to UCLA. The most generous line. The most generous line of all time is Oklahoma is up. They are favored by 23 and a half points playing at the Rose Bowl. UCLA is giving away free tickets to their game just to get butts in the seats. I, I, Okay, Ralph, this game is much like the Idaho State-Utah game. There's zero chance UCLA actually wins this game. But... Hold up, but, but the weird thing is, though, Ralph, I, 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 w- I will say this, is the weird thing is before the season we were talking about UCLA, I had a vision. I was like, watch them lose. Because it's been a hot topic amongst me and some of my friends because the, they know I've been higher on U- UCLA this year. And they were like, dude, they're going to suck. We're going to beat them. That's what J.R. Tolliver said about San Diego State. Everybody was telling me they're going to lose to Cincinnati. And now I had a vision. I was like, what if they come out and beat Oklahoma after doing that? Like, that would be the most Chip Kelly thing ever. Lose, lose kind of the start of your tenure to bad teams, and then come back and knock off a big dog. I like UCLA in this game to lose and to lose by more than the 23 and a half points. <laughs> I wasn't picking him to win. <laughs>
1: Ooh you you had me there for a second. I was like, what? <laughs> oh dear. Um I I'll give UCLA one thing. They'll score more in this game than they did in their previous two. Um and people will take that for progress and and they'll see that as sort of a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not. Um there's so much to deal with with this Oklahoma team. Just so much uh the Jalen Hurts is on fire. Jalen Hurts is making me look like an idiot because uh. I said that he'd be better in a pro-style situation where they could run on first down. I believe it. I, I still, like, to to this day, I'm like, he's the kind of guy that you would want to run on first down, run on second down, and then when you need a big down, a third down throw, like, he's got the stones to make it happen. No, it turns out that if you plug him into Lincoln Riley's offense, he's the same as Baker, same as – you know, uh, Kyler Murray. He's just it. It, it just. It, I mean, he's already got two hundred and twenty yards rushing and three touchdowns. Um,
0: I How just, good is Lincoln it's Riley? Really
1: hard to stop him. This is gonna feel like Chip Kelly's. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's just it right there. Lincoln Riley right now has all the magic, all the juice. Uh, if if I'm if I play high school football. I want to go to Oklahoma. Period. Like right now, and it was this way for Oregon a few years ago, right? Like, if you play high school football, like, why would you want to do anything other than go to Oregon? Um, and and I feel I feel similarly now to Oklahoma. They play in big games. Um, they they play in an exciting conference that allows you to showcase. Uh, your skill sets, they are especially in the last three years, they're getting people drafted like crazy, back-to-back Heisens. They're turning a transfer quarterback who looked like a game manager into somebody who looks like an absolute superstar. Um, the team seems to be focused and kind of stays out of trouble. Um, I, I freaking love this team right now. Everything like, is right. Are, uh, but I do think that they'll give up some points to UCLA. Yeah, they are. They are. They really are. And, I, and I, I, I'm not historically an Oklahoma fan. Um, I don't really, I'm kind of ambivalent and I really felt one way or the other toward them. Um, I, you know, I, I did root pretty hard for Kansas state to blow them up back in the day with Darren Sproles. Um, but that was just cause, you know, you root for underdogs sometimes. This Oklahoma home Sooners team. I mean, the fact that they're fifth in the country right now is, is, a joke to me. Like I, I, I think that they deserve to be in a conversation with Clemson. They deserve to be in the conversation with Alabama.
0: Oh, totally. But but see, that's the problem with the voting, though, Ralph, is that people get stuck in their ways. They're like, oh, well, if they don't lose, they don't move, move down, regardless of how they look on the field, regardless of their dominance. Uh, like I always say, the three criteria, quality wins, schedule played, and dominance. That's how you should rank teams. My only concern is they gave up 31 points to Houston. And yeah. after last year... When Oklahoma's defense was really bad, and Kyler Murray knew he had to put up 50 points a game to win, and he did. You know, like UCLA has scored 14 points and 14 points in this game. If Oklahoma holds them to another 14 points, I'll believe that Oklahoma is a national championship kind of kind of team. They're obviously see the reason why Oklahoma is going to cover this spread is because they're going to score 50 points probably. They're probably going to score yeah. 50 points and there's no way UCLA is going to score 27. That's the that's the problem. That's the reason why they cover. It's just it's just a situation UCLA can't score that many points. And Chip Kelly's got to find something new to be able to get this done.
1: And you know you know oh. you know these Big 12 kids relish the the chance to come and play in LA against a bunch of Cali kids and, and blow them up. like Well, that, they have they Cali kids
0: that. on their team too. Unfortunately, that is true. <laughs> they got quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. This is a home game. Yeah. This is a homecoming for a lot of these Oklahoma kids. For a lot of these top kids who keep vacating the conference to go to Oklahoma and go to other conferences. They're going to have tons of fans there. Um, Next game up.
1: Right. So then and then you run into the thing of them being mo- more motivated than me. To be in the place. So there's no way they take this week away that they overlook UCLA. It's just it's a recipe for a blowout.
0: Yep. Yep. They want to show up for the ex-girlfriend, the girl that they want to talk to when they get home in the wintertime. Um Texas Tech at Arizona. This is a night game. Arizona's dangerous at night at home. Texas Tech, this is not Cliff Kingsbury's Texas Tech. Even though they did start the season off 2-0, and uh, they beat Middle Tennessee State and UTEP, and they only gave up 13 points. Their defense is better than it was last year under Cliff Kingsbury. If I am Kevin Sumlin, I am looking at this game, which Texas Tech is favored by 2.5 points. I want to pick Arizona. However, they have not just, just run the ball down people's throat with Khalil Tate since Mike Tom, Tomlin – Tomlin – since Kevin Sumlin got there. I think that that's the death blow to him. that Bowman is going to throw the ball because Arizona's defense is Swiss cheese. And if they don't unleash Khalil Tate, the 2017 Khalil Tate, where he's rushing for 250 yards – And throwing for another 250, Arizona loses this game. And I hate to say it, Ralph, they should win this game. But Arizona, the way that they've been coached, is going to lose this game.
1: Yeah, um, there's a really interesting wrinkle in this game that a whole lot of people might not know about. And it's that Texas Tech's defensive coordinator, Keith Patterson, was ASU's defensive coordinator from 2004 through 2017. But he was the defensive coordinator, like in name only like Keith Patterson was Todd Graham's like college roommate. Uh, they, they coached together at Allen high school. They moved up, uh, Graham moved him up to help coach at Tulsa. He took over that one game at Pittsburgh when Todd Graham left Pittsburgh high and dry, uh, Keith Patterson coached a bowl. And then, um, and then came over to Arizona State to serve as defensive coordinator for Todd Graham. But here's the deal. Patterson was D.C. in name only. Todd Graham would call the plays. When ASU's defense went off the rails, it's because Todd Graham would change plays as they were going out onto the the field. They eventually replaced Keith Patterson because he was the fall guy for how bad ASU's defense got. So he is motivated as hell. Keith Patterson wants to show that none of this was ever his fault he went to Utah State last year. He had the co-defensive coordinator role out there. They were good enough, that whole coaching staff was good enough, to then move on to, te- to Texas Tech. So Matt Wells and that whole staff moved to Texas Tech, and Matt Wells thinks that Keith Patterson's good enough to have him as his defensive coordinator. Keith Patterson knows the University of Arizona and its players as well as anyone. He's super motivated to show that he can call a good defensive game. The re- one of the main reasons that I like Texas Tech in this game is is it's just that like it's an opportunity for Keith Patterson to prove that he was never a bad DC at ASU against ASU's hated rival. So there's that extra behind-the-scenes motivation for Texas Tech. Plus, Arizona can't stop anyone anyway. So if, if, if Texas Tech is running their offense the way that they know how, this could be a big problem for Arizona. I do not believe that they will win this game. At the same time, I think that Khalil Tate looks good. I think that he looks good in this game. I think that um, it, it, the more that Khalil Tate looks good and this team loses, the more pressure falls to Kevin Sumlin and that coaching staff.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. The okay, so when you look at this Arizona team in the last, when going back to last season, Ralph, going back to last season, there are only there is like I think it's less than five games where they haven't given up at least 28 points. Only 5 games in the last in their last like 15 games that they haven't given up at least 28 points. At least and and, and there's only one more game that they haven't at least given up 30 points. This defense is atrocious. It's not getting any better. And I think Kevin, Kevin Sumlin, after this season, is going to be on – well, as the season starts to close, he's going to be on the hot seat. Because if you can't figure out a way to win with a guy as athletic as Khalil Tate, it, it's, it's a problem.
1: I think that you could see um, a change after this game. I think that – not not at the top. Not at the top. Whoa. But Kevin Sumlin inherited Marcel Yates, who came over from – had a great career at Boise State as their defensive coordinator, he came to Arizona. They haven't improved. And this year they did the whole thing where they interviewed, you hate to see this. They interviewed the players about whether or not their, their position coach should lose his job. So like, it's already hot seat city for Marcel Yates. And again, Kevin Sumlin inherited him. Okay. So uh, this could be, this could be a huge, huge, huge uh, thing um, and I'm calling it now, if they get blown up by Texas Tech, I could see a change being made at the defensive coordinator position for University of Arizona. They've got some talented guys who are good recruiters who are already on staff there, like Demetrius Martin, who came over from, from UCLA. You can maybe see somebody elevated. Um, but this is year three, and, like, you you pointed out all of the reasons why it would be very, very possible. And Marcel Yates has been, like, He's had his name in the news for other stuff that you don't want to see. Uh, so, I mean, if they get blown out by Texas Tech, I would be pretty comfortable saying that Marcel Yates would be on a short leash.
0: Okay, I agree with that. Last game of the day, the night game, the night cap, the game everybody's been waiting on, the game everybody wants to see, the game we've been dreaming about, the the, the matchup of the century, the team we all want to watch. The Oregon Ducks. Montana rolls into Autzen Stadium to play the number 15 Oregon Ducks. There's not a line on this game. Oregon was favored by 23 points against Nevada. They scored 77. They won 77 to 6. This is one of those games where they're probably, if there is a line out there, it's probably 40 points and they should cover. Aren't you gonna watch this game from start to finish, Ralph?
1: Yep, uh, I, I will be watching this game um, because you know Oregon's gonna beat the snot out of Montana. I have no doubt in my mind about that. But the reason that Pac-12 fans should watch this game is because every single year the Big Sky donates a quarterback to the Pac-12. Every year, right? <laughs> Dalton Sneed is yeah. Dalton Sneed is that guy. Dalton Sneed is the guy that we should be watching out for because he is an absolute offensive superstar. He's electric. He went to Horizon High School out here in Arizona, where he was like a big-time dual-threat player. He went to UNLV, started as a true freshman, lost his job, went to Fort Scott Community College, and now has rebounded at Montana. One big-sky newcomer of the year last year, and this year opened up with a huge performance. And so I I think he's the guy that you need to look out for um, as possibly being the next Pac-12 grad transfer.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think there's much to talk about in terms of Oregon in this game. The main thing is they need to stay healthy. They cannot have injuries at, at quarterback, wide receiver especially. They may get Jawan Johnson, the Penn State transfer back, who which would be a big boost to get him some playing time with Herbert before the season starts. Because they need to mesh. They need to go. And their backs, C.J. Verdell and Dye, need to have a big game. They they, they they, do. They miss a lot of holes sometimes. But they're decent running backs, but they haven't proven to be great running backs yet. And this is that type of game to where they can have patience, not be pressing, and you need to see it. The passing game needs to continue to be aggressive, and this defense needs to not let up. They need to keep just... just, just just hurting people because this team looks like the most physical Oregon team I've seen in 15 years you guys uh, yeah this wraps up this episode the week three preview of the Pac-12 Apostles we appreciate your time appreciate your energy we will put out our predictions way you guys can hold us accountable don't forget to send us emails I'm mad at unafraidshow.com we will get to them Peace out. Catch you guys later.